<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, Work Party listeners, money talks and so do we. We're talking to the best and brightest minds in finance for a special five-part Work Party Money Move series. Whether you want to learn about building generational wealth, strengthen your financial future as an entrepreneur, or perfect your pitch, our experts have you covered. New episodes go live every Friday, so be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcast and you'll never miss an episode again. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman, from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hey, Work Party listeners, I'm so excited for this episode of Money Moves with special guest, Dr. Roshana Novellis, founder and CEO of EnrichHer, a fintech lending platform that's making it easy for retail and institutional funders to deploy capital to businesses led by women and people of color. A nationally recognized financial inclusion advocate and champion of mindfulness, Dr. Novellis is dedicated to deploying working capital to women and people of color to help them grow their businesses. She's also one of the few Black women ever to have raised over $1 million in venture capital. And Richard has deployed over $14 million in capital to diverse owned businesses from over 47 states. And Enricher fuels the fastest growing demographic of business owners, Black women in diverse-led companies, by providing capital, coaching, and connections. Today, we're talking about all things fundraising, from overcoming the gender funding gap to securing the bag and finding the right funds for your business. So thank you so much for joining us today, Roshana. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. Of course. I'm so excited to dig in. We have a lot to talk about us. But first and foremost, can you tell us a little bit about your background and why you founded Enricher? Yeah. So I'm originally from San Diego, California. And my mother told me from a young age that all women needed to be in charge of their own economic power. So at the age of 12, she took me with her to investment club meetings with other teachers at the school in which she taught so that I would be confident assessing investment opportunities and coming up with advice about finance. 
Much later, when I was a counterterrorism expert in Washington, D.C., I helped my coworkers purchase their first home, figuring out how to allocate their first 401k. And I had such a drive to focus on finance. So I moved to Atlanta. I originally started a tax and financial advisory firm. And then later, I found it enrich her because so many of the clients who came to me told me that as business owners, their number one issue was the access to capital problem. So I said, hey, I can use my background in technology and marketing and finance and my know-how of the financial industry to provide a solution to these well-deserving business owners. Amazing. I mean, I love that it's such a big career switch. You know, you were in counterterrorism doing that, but you kind of had this like passion on the side of this thing that you're doing and then ended up pursuing that, which I think is amazing. So what were your goals in the beginning of launching Enricher and how have they shifted since launching? Well, originally I wanted to launch a regulation crowdfunding platform, which is approved by the Jobs Act. And what that means is that the everyday uh, individual has the authority to invest directly in small businesses online. And so after two years of going through the legal process, we were able to get through all of the licensing required to do just that. But what we figured out was that a lot of the legal compliance readiness was still beyond the reach of most business owners. It's like a huge investment in money and time to do so. So we said, hey, while this is great to have the community fund individual businesses, what these businesses really need is money quickly. So we pivoted a bit and built a platform that would provide direct lending to these businesses in a faster way. And that has enabled us to deploy that $14 million that you mentioned before. And we are excited that we have the opportunity to both provide capital through that regulation crowdfunding platform or directly through the enricher.com platform in terms of the direct loans to these businesses. Amazing. So multiple quick ways to get cash for your company versus going the traditional venture capital route. So that's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about how you as the entrepreneur put together all these different things, right? So when you were building the company, someone, you know, they would tell you, despite having two bachelor's degree, a master in information technology, a PhD in system engineering, you were told you might need some extra help building this company. So how did you navigate these conversations? And did you ever consider following this advice? Well, it was really hard for me to believe that people didn't use my yeah, PhD in engineering and finance as credible and my you know work in the government as credible in terms of, of founding this business. You know, I was managing over $50 million in contracts by the time I was 26. So starting a business is something that I wasn't even nervous about. Like, I'm like, I managed up to 50 employees before I even did this. So it was definitely a shock to me that most people had no belief in in my abilities as a woman, as a black woman, as someone who now lives in the South, that I could do something on my own. And what I had to learn very quickly that instead of focusing on the naysayers, I had to focus on the people who did believe in me, who did understand that anything was possible and really create an ecosystem of supporters that I could lean on in order to get to that next level. 
But it's it's a lot of us like kind of default to people who don't believe in us. It's easier for us to like, you know what this person said or this person did? Push that all the way. And my whole yoga and mindfulness practice really helped me with that uh, process. And still, it's easy to like, you know, give people who don't believe too much air time in your in your brain. (laughs) But it's really important to just focus on what you do have and the opportunities in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, your whole business is about helping women launch their businesses as you were struggling to launch your business in some ways as well. But women are rapidly opening new businesses where women of color represent 64% of them. I want to share a few stats from a recent piece from Thrive Global, but women run companies generating a 35% higher ROI than companies managed by men. When they're venture back, the number further increases by 12%. And even with the funding gaps, women run companies generate a 10% cumulative revenue within five years, which is insane that we only get 2% of VC funding given those stats. But what do you what do you think are the most prevalent aspects of women-owned businesses that contribute to these high success rates? Like, why do you think women are outperforming men? So many reasons. One is women are typically better stewards of capital. Unfortunately, there is a wage gap if we're in corporate America and even in the entrepreneurship landscape. So we've had to figure out how to do more with less. That's just part of how we've we've had to adjust to being humans in this world. So typically women, even if a business owned by a woman fails, that women will typically repay all of the debt. There's also stats about that. Two, we are used to multitasking in, in, a, in a deeper way. And I know that's a generalization, but Typically, women are tend to be a little bit better at, at managing all of the, the, the balls that you have to juggle in terms of our businesses. And often we have that grit. We've been told time and time again that we cannot do something. So if we decide to take that leap of strength and grow this business, we are there. We are committed and we're going to do whatever we can to make it possible. Yeah, I love that. And obviously hearing those stats, it seems that investing in the sustainability of women entrepreneurs would be a no-brainer. Like the stats are there. It makes sense. So why does it feel like nothing has proven to be more challenging than advocating for funding for women-owned businesses? Yeah, I thought it would be so easy. You know, all the stats that you mentioned, I was like, okay, with all these stats, it's it's less risky to invest in women than in our male counterparts. Like everyone knows math and it's it's there, but A lot of people just don't believe in math, don't care about math at all. So, and most investors typically select people who remind them of themselves. So what that means is, is if 99% of of investors or men who come from certain communities, went to certain universities, had a certain background, they'll pick people who remind them of themselves. So who went to that same university, had that same social economic background. And and that's really it. It's not based on all of these figures. If it's a really cool business idea, there's a lot of really bad business ideas that have gotten investment dollars, but it's really the affinity and, and closeness. And, you know, nobody will ever think that I'm a man, like it's not going to happen. People who want me to be that way will just immediately exclude me, even though I have all these degrees and experience and track record and the like. And that's really something that's really hard to navigate around. So that's why you need more companies like Enricher who have a completely diverse team that are women-led to be out there because 
we are more open to diversity because we are diverse, right? So we need more of a representation from capital providers that represent all the different groups that exist so that there'll be more pathways for everyone to have this economic opportunity in regards to their business. I talk about this a lot where, you know, a lot of people don't understand that venture capital for the most part is about deal flow and like the deals that you're getting put on your desk. And typically those come from relationships that you've built over time. And so to your point, if you just build relationships with people who look like you are the same age as you are the same gender as you, you're likely getting deals that look a lot like that. So, you know, it's interesting. It's a, it's a hard cycle to break, but I think platforms like Enrichur are doing that. So you recently launched Ownership Reimagine. Can you tell us a little bit more about this initiative? Yes. Yeah, so Ownership Reimagine is an initiative that allows individual and retail investors, investment groups, and organizations to participate in our deployment of capital to these highly qualified, diverse companies. So those companies are able to come to our platform, allocate funding directly, and participate in exchange for return of of principal and interest and of time period. And so the whole purpose of this campaign is to not only bring awareness to the importance of funding these opportunities, but allow the public an opportunity to participate in the campaign. When women-owned small businesses thrive, we all thrive. Learn more about the tools and resources MasterCard is offering from moving your biz online to best practices on digital security at mastercard.com smallbiz. Together, let's start something priceless. So for those who are unfamiliar with finding what what is the typical process for gaining funding for a new business venture, can you walk us through how that typically works for you? Well, there's lots of different funding opportunities that exist, but what Enricher focuses on is lending capital or debt-based capital. And what we look for is cash flow in that business and the grit and community and social media presence of that founder. We don't focus on credit score like a lot of other financial institutions because a lot of times the credit score is also predatory in nature. And so we just want to make sure that the business has enough customers and cash flow in order to repay that loan and that each business owner understands that when they pay that money back, that money gets reallocated to another company. So Enricher is able to fund companies in the range from $10,000 to $50,000. And we hope to scale up to be able to deploy 100 million in a calendar year. Yeah, amazing. That That's incredible. And so what is the benefit of taking debt versus capital? And like, what are like, how do you typically work with companies to say, like, we think this is the best path for you right now? Yeah, so debt versus venture is a, is a pretty uh, common uh, question. So what people don't realize is that venture capitalists, they give you money in exchange for ownership of your company. So it could be 5%, 1%, whatever it it can be. And that money may also come with decisions, voting rights. They may be able to force you to make certain decisions that will guarantee uh, their return instead of taking a slow approach. And most venture capitalists want at least 10 times their investment. So if they invest 100000 they want a million back. And so a lot of people don't realize the math behind that venture investment. Whereas a typical loan has a, a stated interest rate. It's way cheaper than venture. 
It doesn't come with any uh, investor control. Investors can't say anything and richer can't tell a company how to use that money after we deploy it to them. And typically debt-based capital is, is strategically more important for a short-term gap. So say you're hiring a new employee and want to ramp them up before getting them on a contract, or you have an inventory, you have just like a short-term cash flow cycle. And whereas venture, if you have like a tech platform that's going to take years to be able to generate revenue, that may be a, a better model. The last thing I want to say is most companies do not have the equal opportunity of getting venture uh, capital. If you happen to be a company led by a black woman, it's less than 1%. And as you mentioned before, there's been only a, a hundred or so black women, and this is like historically not this year, who've even raised over a million. So a lot of people are making these, you know, assessments of comparing between venture and debt-based when the venture is not even an option for them. But if they're, all the options are for you, make sure that that cost factor is weighed into your decision. So much good information there. And so obviously you meet with a ton of companies and, and hear a lot of different pitches and what they're working on. So what are three crucial elements everyone should include in a pitch deck when they're looking for either debt funding, raising money, et cetera? Well, pitch decks really should be focused on who your customer is. So how we evaluate companies is really cash flow, the grit, and their community. So with the you know answer senior loan application, those are the things that we are evaluating the most. And you know, cash flow means you get repay. Community means that you have a community of supporters who believe in your business, who support your business, and are patrons of it. And that grit means that you have the ability to withstand the test of time because businesses change all the time. The economy changes all the time, inflation and all these things. And it's that component of grit that gives that business owner the know-how that they this will they can make it through anything. So those are the three components that Enricher looks at when we evaluate pitches. But I've, I've participated in a lot of different pitches from different organizations. A lot of them really care about that story, like what is your why? And then after that, hey, can your business get, if it's a venture pitch, can a business get that 10 times return on investment? And then who is your team? Who is the people who are supporting you within your company that will ensure that your plans come to fruition? I love that. I do think the the founder piece of it and the grit piece of it is so, so important and a large part of why people invest. So what are some notable trends you're seeing in lending these days? Is there a shift in how many people want to give or how much they're lending or how much people are looking for? Like, have you seen any you know specific trends in that category or even types of businesses that you're getting an influx of? Yeah. So, you know, as a result of the whole COVID pandemic, a lot more people understood the importance of lending because of the size of the EIDL program and the PPP program. So a lot of different capital providers were like, oh, this is a huge market. We all see how many businesses across the country needed that small business loan. And so I found that after that happened, people stopped asking us who needs loans because everybody needs a loan. In fact, the statistic is about 40% of all business owners have a loan at any particular time. So it's really a sizable portion of businesses need that loan. Currently, because of inflation, actually interest rates are rising right now. And, and companies are being a lot more specific. So because of the pandemic and the ever-changing economy, 
in terms of supply chain issues, if you have products or if your if your product is manufactured out of the country, a lot of the lending community is looking more in depth in terms of what is your supply chain look like? How are you able to absorb the the inflationary pressures that we have right now? So all of those things are part of the uh, current trends for the lending market. Yeah. And a lot of people starting to figure out how do they get the inventory they need? Do they order more up front just in case something happens with the supply chain? It's definitely something we have been seeing a lot of. So why would someone pursue a self-funded strategy initially rather than immediately going after an investor? And what route would you recommend to someone who maybe is just starting out? Would you recommend going the loan route, having their business show some traction for a little bit before coming to your platform? Like, What is the sort of sweet spot of when people should be coming to Enricher? Well, I think that every company should use like the cheapest money possible for as long as possible. So when I started my business, I applied to as many accelerator programs, pitch competitions and grant competitions as I could find. And I was able to aggregate a lot of capital that didn't have to be paid back. When it comes to getting your first loan, it could happen at different phases. I know that we were approved for our first loan before we even generated any revenue because the loan underwriter really understood our story, what we're trying to do, and she believed in me. And again, loan is always cheaper than venture capital because the interest rate is lower, the commitment is lower. It's just cheaper. But we also, as you know, are a venture-backed company. And with every venture offer, you have to make sure that the money that you receive in exchange for that equity makes sense. So we initially turned down a lot of investment when we were just starting because people wanted, you know, 10% of the company when we hadn't built anything for a little bit of money, let's say $50,000. And I'm like, no, this company's going to be like <laughs> worth a lot. So that made no sense. But to the investor, they're like, hey, you haven't built anything yet. So it may just be make-believe, which I understand. So a lot of times you want to wait until you have some kind of higher valuation or set that valuation yourself so that you won't give up ownership in exchange um, for a value that's too low and end up hurting yourself when you haven't even gotten started. So unfortunately, that happens to a lot of business owners. They get this money at the beginning and give up too much ownership, which prevents them from raising a lot of money in the future. So I definitely recommend to everyone to to evaluate all of the cheaper free uh, money options that are, are out there and look for be as economical as possible when looking at financing options for your business. Yeah, I love that. It's such great advice. And there are so many, so many amazing pitch contests out there, and it'll help you as an entrepreneur flex your skills being in the room. So as you mentioned, you yourself have raised capital as well. I know Fearless Fund is an investor in your business. How did you know how to pick the right investors for you specifically? You know, you mentioned giving up capital, et cetera, but I'm sure there was also a lot of interest in raising uh, money. How do you, or I guess on the flip side, what should founders be looking for in investors? Yeah, for me, I really only wanted to accept money from people I liked. And, you know, you might be a person who likes everyone or who likes no one, but I really wanted to ensure that if that capital was going to be a part of that business, I could see like having a good relationship with that investor for the long term. When you get investment dollars, on average, most companies take about seven years before 
they are acquired or liquidated or what have you. So you're going to have that relationship with that individual for that period of time. Is that someone that you feel comfortable getting advice from? Do you think they'll answer your call? Do you think that their interests are in alignment with what your business is? So that was really, really important to me in addition to making sure I fully believed in the investment terms and the like. I never accepted any investment from anyone who didn't I didn't like or who I didn't agree on the investment terms, no matter what the situation I was in. Absolutely. Great advice. So let's wrap with some sentence finishers. Are you ready? Hmm? Okay. My number one piece of financial advice for entrepreneurs is to know your numbers. So what I mean by that is your unit economics. So know what they're, what's profitable and what isn't in your business. Absolutely. I'm currently obsessed with figuring out how to optimize my life. Yes. Let me know how, let me know what you find out. A skill I'm working on mastering is patience. A fellow entrepreneur I'd love to grab coffee with. Beyonce. Same girl. Thank you so... (laughs) Well, let's make this happen. Thank you so much, Rashwana. Where can listeners connect with you and learn more about Enrich Her? People can find me on LinkedIn at Rashana Novellis. And you can find Enrich Her on all social media platforms that I enriched her. Amazing. I feel like you're going to get a lot of people sort of flooding in from this episode. And reminder, if you want more money and finance advice, we're dropping new Money Moves episodes every Friday. Tune in next week for a chat with finance expert Nicole Lappin. We'll be chatting about all things generational wealth, what it means, how to gain it, and the steps you can take right now to set up future generations for financial success. Thank you guys for tuning in. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party.